Father, if there's one thing we would desire out of the service this morning that would make an impression upon our lives and on our hearts, it would be the presence of you that would come to us. Not just the words that we would speak, not just the songs we would utter, but Lord, when you come then everything is different and we confess Lord we need to hear from heaven we confess Lord we have situations troubles needs but oh God when you would come it was not in the outer court it was not in the first pull it was not in the inner court in the second pole, but it was in the third, in the unseen. That's where a dead rod would bring forth life. That's where there was a golden pot of manna that never ceased. That's where there was the living word. Father, we believe you're bringing us these shadows and types are only indicative of something greater. Lord, we don't want to utter words that are just doctrinal and learning of man. We don't even want the thoughts, Lord, our own thoughts. But we want you, O Lord. And we invite you this morning. Lord, I pray you take us, our spirits, our beings, our thoughts, our ideas, our needs, our issues. Bring them into one mind and one accord. 
Lord, I pray you'd also take this vessel. We're human beings. We're full of failures and full of mistakes. But Lord, we're here according to your provided way this morning. Would your blessing, your presence just settle upon us? Come, Lord, we invite you now. As we open the word, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you for the atmosphere and for the songs that were sung, the special. Brother Ray, thank you for singing on my theophany. I have quotes out of Melchizedek on our theophany this morning. And so we thank God for that. 1 John chapter 3. Reading verses 1 to 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And when the Bible would talk of sons, daughters are included there. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We'll go back to Colossians chapter 3. Now, there's a truth that the book of John brings out when it doesn't appear what's happening to the world on the outside, but there's something happening on the inside, and it's growing, and it's because of him and because he's here. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read from verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory." God bless his word. You may have your seats. The theme song to this, or the theme scripture, the theme song was only believe. All things are possible. But the theme scripture to this last generation under the messenger was Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And we had a messenger who would tell us and he would point us and say, if you don't see Christ in every scripture, in every type, in every place, go back and read it again because you've missed something. And that's what we want to see. We don't want to see him just in the past. We don't just want to see him in the future where he's going to be, what, what he did back there, but what he's doing right now because we need to act accordingly from that. So this morning I'll 
follow-up on last week's service where we spoke on the responding creation. I want to speak today on the responding seed. And these are actually thoughts that have come out of the series on I will build my church. And so when God said he would build his church, it wasn't just a structure that couldn't speak back to him. It wasn't just like the timbers or the concrete that this building is formed with. Uh, it was going to be forming a living tabernacle. So it was, it was beyond just a building made with hands. But it was going to be something he was going to build. And out of that, we, we began to speak. And I, I want to maybe dwell on this. I, I started into it last week. But he also said, I will create a bride. In other words, I will make myself a bride. I will make myself an Eve that will fulfill all that the first Eve never fulfilled. This Eve will not fall. This Eve will be built on a different principle. And I, I, I want to take a little bit on that this morning. But I want someone to reproduce myself. I want someone, and, and you know, God's purpose will never be defeated. So uh, listen, let's just go immediately back to Genesis 1, and, and we referenced Genesis 1 to, 1 to verse 3, but I'm, I'm going to go just to the man part for a minute, and I'll back up a little after, but in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and this is on the sixth day of creation, and God has been evoluting up from day one to day two to day three. Now he's at day six, and he comes and he declares, and God said, let us make man in our image. So here is the purpose, and his purpose will never be defeated. So he wants man in his image. Now, he will clarify that, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And he said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So man in his image was not just a formal uh, image that we could look at and see the way it is, but it was man in his position, a God-given man where he had authority as a God over the earth and where he was an extension of the mind of God that was in a heavenly realm would be expressed on the earthly. And he would actually go a step further now, he says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him and then this distinction is made, male and female created he them. So and then he goes on to say, and God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth. So the purpose was truly expressed in, number one, a man in his image, male and female. And if I can just make this distinction... The man was not complete without the woman, and neither was the woman complete without the man. They were one. They were united in one. And, and it, they couldn't be separated. For them to come to their place, they had to be together. In other words, so that was number one. Number two was to have dominion, to be gods over the earth. And then number three was to be fruitful 
and to multiply. So whatever God determines, that will happen. And at the end, God will see this. It'll be a man and a woman. It will be in purity. It will be in order. It will be what God has determined. Even in this, the most wicked age, when every thought is against a man and a woman, a man in his place, a woman beside the man, taking her place that way. And, and, and two distinct sexes, not three, not one, not some ambiguous one size fits all, but actually what God made it. All hell is against this revelation. The world we live in is so corrupted. I'm going to watch what I say, and I, not because I'm scared to say it, but I just want to stay on track. So let, let's just take this part and I'm going to backdrop a little bit on the responding creation. Now, we took Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3, where the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. The waters were without, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the earth. But God did that for a purpose because there was seeds down there. And those seeds had to respond. Now, Brother Branham would say, it looks like Genesis, God is repeating himself. But let me take a little bit of this along as we go. So if you take the first day, that was where God said, let there be light. To summarize, the second day was when he, he parted, or the firmament, he parted, there was a division, and he made the heavenly realm. And then on the third day, he parted the waters from the dry land and there was earth. And out of that, for the first time, there was something that the earth was bringing forth. Now, so all of this is part of a process God is doing. And in verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed. So for the first time, we recognize that there was a seed in the earth. There was something God had planted. And the seed that was there would bring forth. And so it said, let the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding seed, after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind, the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself, after his kind, and God said it was good. So this is God's way for, for, for him to continue. And, 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 and he set in order something that would be continuous right to this very day. Now man comes along and perverts it. Man comes along and makes seedless watermelon and seedless this. But it can never reproduce itself. So, but God's original was for a seed to be there. And God would work with the seed. Now, Brother Branham would also go a little further. And, and he would tell us, we were in God's mind before the foundation of the world. We were predestinated, but we weren't predestinated in our form. We weren't, uh, we weren't let me just call it this way, uh, we, we weren't 
He didn't predestinate us just uh, by, by planting us here, but he had a thought in his mind. He had an attribute. It became a thought. It became an image. And he had a seed in mind of how we would come forth and how we would, would bring forth. So it was going to be by process. Now, if we take, now that was the end of the third day. The fourth day was the division of lights. The fifth day was the beginning of animal life on the earth. And God let the, said, let the waters bring forth and let the fowl fly above the earth. So that was under the fifth day. Under the sixth day, he said, let animal life come forth. That's from the earth. And then he comes up to the sixth day. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, you know, it was, it was funny. I, I was, it, was, it was warm. It was a couple weeks back. I was walking and taking um, a little uh, trip. And I'm, I'm looking and some of the trees are already turning yellow. And I'm going, don't they know it's 30 degrees outside? But they also have an inner something that tells them the season is just about over. And it begins to tell them, and something within, not what's outside, not the conditions around it, but something within. And then by the same token, and this is always disheartening to see this, but I, I watched a few geese gathering, and I, I said to Sandy, I said, like, do you hear that? I said, yeah, that sounds like geese. And it wasn't long, and we saw some flying over. What are they doing? They can't leave yet. <laughs> That only happens in Canada. Sister Elizabeth, you're going to watch and find out. Give it a few months and you'll know why we're talking like we're talking today. But there's a, he says they can't leave. But God put something in them. And they're not just responding by what's around them or the conditions. Now, if God puts that in botany life and in animal life, how much more a church that has the Holy Ghost, that has the Spirit of God. We're not responding today by the comforts of life. We're not responding by, by what the politicians may tell us. And there's lots they're telling us right at this moment. And, and we're not responding by what, what all the, the picture, the facade is. But we're responding by something within. And that's why we must gather together this morning. That's why there's something within us that tells us, you know, I, I've been called to something. I don't know about what everybody else is doing, but I'm not willing to wait for a tribulation for my purification. I need to come to the house of the Lord because I must make myself ready. I can't just sit back. I've got to do this. And that's what Colossians would say. Every, or, or John would say, every man that hath his hope in himself purifieth himself. And Colossians would say, mortify the deeds. Now you're not just doing that out of works, but because there's a life in you. When Christ, who is our life, doth appear, we shall appear with him in glory. Now Brother Branham goes and tells us this in, in the message, how can I overcome? This is a great age of deception. The two spirits would be so close in the last days it would deceive the elected. You're not going to overcome him by your learning of the message. You're not going to overcome him because you've listened to more tapes. You'll only overcome him because Christ lives within you. Because you've got a warning buzzer that goes off. Because you're conditioned to hear one voice. You're not conditioned to hear the multitude of voices. 
And so it's the life in us. The third pull is not a doctrine. The third pull is not just some state or some status. But it's the very life of God hidden in the believer. It's God meeting with the believer on a continual basis. That is the third pull. It's a hidden secret to the world. What motivates, what moves you? It's something within. So Brother Bannon would say it was going to be a deceitful day. People could live a clean, holy life. Not be sinful, not be adulterers, not be drinkers, liars, gap. They can live above that and still not have it. So it's not works this morning. It's got to be something that moves you. Something you're responding to that you can't control. It controls you. So he said, this is the age of the life. The personal life of Christ, the chemical of his body, what was in him, now being poured out not into just the prophets of old, not just into Christ, but into his many-membered body. Sometimes we still try to operate on the flesh realm. We try to get our, our, our children to line up, dress right, do right, act right. We need to give them an example. But there comes a time we give them over to God. Because you can't save them. I can't save them. Only God can deal with them. And only God can speak to them. And that's where we put our trust in. Even in our churches and our ministers, not everybody's on the same page all the time. All of us have different places. We all come from somewhere. We're all going somewhere. We all have issues we're trying to overcome. It's different. But we can't even depend on one another. We have to depend on Him more and more. Our response comes from something greater. I'm not against a preacher saying, come on, amen, speak up, come on. Uh, but it's not just my coercion. I actually look for something to strike you that causes you to move. That's the thing that we need to hear from. That's what this service needs this morning. It doesn't just need Brother Ed yelling louder, speaking that way. But it needs the Holy Spirit, the unseen one in our midst, to move, to strike you, to strike me. To, and listen, sometimes it comes from you to hear. And it causes me to say something. That's the one that we need this morning. So Brother Branham would speak further in how can I overcome. He was crossing a log. And the log was on the outside. It looked really nice. But he says when I jumped on it, it was rotten and doughty. He says that's the way Christians are becoming. I, 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 we are, I'm going to say this, in the most spineless age there ever was. And if we're not careful, we become affected by it. Any little thing goes wrong, oh. Somebody speaks against us, oh. I'm not going to that church anymore. That is not the rugged Christians Brother Branham talked about. That is not what they were in the beginning. That is not the original life or the original seed. We need to be connected. And we need to understand we got to blank out a lot of things about this flesh, about our, our minds that we hear and see things and, you know, and, and we've been done wrong. Everybody's been done wrong. But Christ will never do you wrong. He'll take care of you. And we need to have that rugged mentality moving forward. So Brother Benjamin said, it, it, he says it was dead, this, this log. It could hold no weight. He says to overcome is to keep life in you. What the, when the life went out, that's what brought the log to that condition. 
Now he goes a step further. He says, now we're trying to, he says, you take a Christian, let the life of God with him, the experience, the joy of serving Christ, and attend a church where that's going on. He rottens twice as quick. That's an amazing statement. It's not about having our names on the book. It's not about attending. It's not about these things. It's about being connected with God. It's about being, uh, we're a place, something speaks to us. Uh, we speak back and there's a, there's a reverberation that's going. That's what I come to church for. And, and it's not from church just to fill in a time slot, but it extends to life. It extends to where I travel and the people I meet and, and the thoughts that I think and all the things. So church is just necessary to keep that life in me. That's a part of it. I, 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 but it's not all I need. I need the tapes. I need, and I listen to tapes. And, you know, we, we had to drive yesterday for about 30, 40 minutes. I said to Sandy, let's, let's just put this tape on. And we'd listen to the tape there. We listened to it on the way back. And, 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 and I went out for a walk and I listened to it. Because you need to hear that voice. And I'm going to say there is one voice in this age. And it's not just the voice of William Branham. It is the voice of the Son of Man. It is Him when He appears. I'll tell you what, we've been conditioned. We're being conditioned to hear that voice. You're going to have to blank out a lot more things as time comes. And you're going to need to, de to deny a lot of things that Laodicea said and the lies the devil presents to us. And you say, wait a minute, that's not what God said. That's not what I'm hearing on the tapes. That's not what He's making real to me. So he said, if you're in the message of the hour, at least this part of the message, we should live constantly in the life of Christ. Because if you don't and you lay around these things that you're supposed to do and don't do it, he says, then it's sin. You become doty, you become rotten, and you're separated from the life of God. You know, sometimes it's good to ask a question. We must maintain a pattern of good works. Is it important, Brother Ed, to dress right? Absolutely. And if nothing else, your conscience will convict you. It's not, it's not passing through a screener and saying, okay, bing, this went off, this went off. You know, you go to those screening things at the airport. You know, you got some metal on you. Oh, the belt. Okay, the belt. And, and, uh, and then it's this. No, there's something in your shoes. And then there's something on, on your pants. Okay, so that's not what it's about. But it's about somebody who tells you that, that that's not quite appropriate. That, what, what motive are you doing that with? What are you being influenced by? Sometimes we have to come back down and preach these things. Lord's willing, that's what we'll have to do sometime. Because that's a, we always have young people coming up. We need to be reminded and... and, 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 and Paul would tell Timothy, he would tell Titus, he would tell the different ones. He, he says, be a good minister. Put them in remembrance of these things. We need to remember the standard by which we're called to. I, I, was, I couldn't help that because I was just in a devotional yesterday and, and, and it was through Charles Spurgeon who was a tremendous man of God and he just began to, 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 to on the devotional, just smote me. And he would say, we ought to be fortified he says, Christians need to keep a strict watch over their attitudes and actions. Questionable literature is everywhere. Now, they didn't have the internet in that time. 
But this is a pastor of 5,000 people admonishing his church. And he would tell them, he says, there, there's a tendency in these days to break down the barrier and the distinction between the church and the world. I'll tell you what, we need to remember we're a separate people. We have been called to holiness. There's a standard. It's not to look like the world. It's not to act like the world. I, I know there's certain styles and trends and you know, it reflects in hairstyles and it reflects in clothes. I was talking to a brother the other day. One thing he said I'm never going to hear in eternity is I have nothing to wear. <laughs> you know, I, and, and you know, go shopping. There's all kinds of sales out, seasonal end of season sales. Come back from the mall. They didn't have anything there. They didn't have anything there. They walked in the stores and they were empty. No, they didn't have anything that was the missing piece in my wardrobe. No, that, it, it's beyond this. Sorry, I, I'm getting into this. In, in this wasn't it. But I, I just so appreciated the devotional. And, and it says, we are to be separated from the world. We are to deny all godliness and fleshly lust. Why? Just because we have to, uh, you know, somebody's going to say something to church. I think we ought to live above that. Yeah, if somebody says it, it ought to just be a reminder. You need to get a little more connected to God. You need to understand when you're crossing that line between clothes being too thin or too transparent. Or, or when you need to understand those things. And let God convict you. Let the message be your standard. Let, your par let parents put a standard. There's a whole new crop that's growing up. Now I say it's not good enough to refer back to what Brother Harold preached years ago. It needs to be remembered. It needs to be brought to the forefront. Do clothes matter? They matter. Do all of these things matter? They matter. Okay? That was my brief period of meddling today. Did it last week. Did it again today. Can't help it. It's in me. So there's something, Brother Branham says, to have the life in you. Now, we took this little video last week of this, uh, this little goose, parents down at the bottom of a 400-foot cliff, little duckling at the top, wings not even developed, and he had to jump. Now, it could only jump because there was the voice of the parents down below and because it was in him. If, if it was some other... You know, bird that landed there, it wouldn't have done that. But it couldn't help it. But it was being pulled. It had to respond to it. Now that was the beginning of its life. And, and, and Brother Brandon would talk about it. And, and he would, would, would just speak a little bit about how the ducks, and I just referred to them in, in the migration. Brother Brandon would say, you know, before that cold wind even blows, the ducks start to gather together. Something that was at the beginning carries through right to the end. The new birth is absolutely essential. It's not good enough to follow the crowd. It's not good enough to just have a confession. But it needs to be something inside. It, it leads you from glory to glory to glory. You didn't recognize it, but when the call of God came in you, that was something from the eternal that came down to you, connected with your DNA, and your DNA could not help but respond. And as you move along in life, you do that. But there comes a season. Now you've lived on the pond. You've been happy. But something 
calls you higher, calls you further. Well, it's God that puts it in those, those animals. And he says, here, here God has an instrument in that duck. You know, he says, he, he ordains one little duck in that pond. And he begins to honk, 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 honk. And all the other ducks go, yeah, it's time to honk, honk. And, and they all honk, honk, and they honk, honk. And, and better than hearing a rooster all the time. But, but at honk, honk, there's just a personal thing there. My family will understand that. But, you know, honk, honk, and, 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 they're, and they're just start going. Well, one of them, ordained of God, begins to circle, and the others follow him. Yeah, this is the time. This is the season. So it's not good enough to put the prophet and say, yeah, he caught it, and just watch him. We need to move with him. We need to move with the message. We can't just look at it and be bystanders. We've got to move along with it. That's why it's the time. It's the season. you got to step out. You say, oh, you're taking a lot of liberty. That was for the prophet alone. Listen, there's a lot of people that stop you from going in saying it's for the prophet only. There's a season where something inside of you says, I've got to jump. I've got to move. They did it in Jesus' day too. He says the Pharisees would stop you from going in. They make you a twofold child of hell more. Religious people. But I'll say this, if you are listening to the Spirit, it's calling us all to move. It's calling us all to step up a little higher. He says, now, the gospel gives a sound. Watch the thing that influences a real duck. There's others in the pond, like water guineas, mud hens, but they stay their own way. But a real duck goes on. God placed that little duck there and give him that because God placed it. He said as that breeze blows, he runs in the middle, lifts his nose up in the air, honks a few times, every duck in the pond will follow him. It's something God gave him. It's in him. It's a God-given instinct. He uses it. It guides him. What does it do? If an instinct led him too far north, Listen, some of those ducks were born in the pond. They've never gone where their parents went. And they're not asking their parents. Sometimes they're not even flying with their parents. But God put something in them to make their way back. Friends, this call, this message is not just so we have another move, not we have that, but it's, it's the return. It's going back to your origin. It's where you were born. You know, I often have it. In a church service, sometimes you say something in a certain way, and you know, you, you speak about French is the original language. Oh, there's immediately a response. Ah, the French, yes, hallelujah. Praise God, du vous bénisse. <laughs> and then you say something, you know, uh, you know, about certain food. You know, maybe it's about sauerkraut and all the Germans. Yeah, amen. And then pierogies and, well, I'm not going to identify all the nationalities or butter chicken or, or whatever it is. I'll tell you what, that's fine. That's, that's an original, that's your earthly birth and its response. But I'll tell you, there's something deeper, something greater that ought to respond. You know, when, when Jesus came on the earth, he, you know, they would say, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not the one who, who, who came from, from Mary, 
and Joseph, and, and, and he would say that, and, and he would talk about that, and, 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 and they, would, they would all just say, you know, and, and Jesus, his birth even was subject to these earthly orders. He, he traveled to Bethlehem because of the taxation, and, and he was subject to that, and he went to that, but greater than that, it fulfilled the word of God. God knew it would be there. God understood it would be there. But out of that, God also had an order and a system. So out of all of the, the chaos of the world around him, God was bringing something to pass. And I would say he's the same God today. He's bringing things to pass. So Jesus, you know, and, and you, could, you could take certain phrases, and I won't get into them all today. And, and he says, and when he came to the place... It had to be a certain thing. And, and, and so that was part of it. And, and, and here he was across the sea. And, and on the other side of the sea, there was a lunatic, a man who was crying, the devil's in him, crying out. And Jesus had to cross the sea because he heard that. So what is it? No, it's, it's a responding of the eternal and the earth, passing through the earthly, a heavenly that's there. You know, when Brother Branham would have a vision, and he taught us this, he made a mistake early in his life. He had a vision, and he, God showed him a vision. He came into there, and he started praying for the woman, and she didn't get healed. And he goes, what's wrong? And then he went back, and then he realized the man with the suit and the brown hat had not put it on the table yet. Oh, God, forgive me. And he goes and tells the parents, forgive me. And he's sitting there nervously. Now, he can't make it fulfill. But he's waiting on the word of God to come to a certain time and a certain season. Now, it wasn't him, even in the prophetic gift and everything he had, but he was subject to something. And he was subject to the wheels of God turning. So he had to watch for this. He had to watch for that. And when it all came, then he could act. So we're not responding just by, well, it's time to go. No, we got to wait for God to give us that little nudge. And, and we respond according to the vision. We respond according to the word of God. We don't respond because, you know, you know there's going to be, uh, you know, whatever the politi new political party will be. That's not what we respond by. We don't respond because, you know, they've, they've, they've put new restrictions in. We respond according to the word of God. That's what we need to condition ourselves to. Even though Jesus was subject to his parents up to 12 years old, but there came a time in his life where he was brought up to a mountain, to a place. You know, Moses and Elijah appeared with him, and it said, this is my son, hear ye him. There was a time when that seed came to maturity. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, let's, let's back up a little bit. Now, I spent a little time last week because we're in Genesis here. Let me, let me just read, Ethan, I don't think I, I had this other one, but let's just read Genesis 1, verse 29. And God said, now he's finished the sixth day, he's given man, he says, and God said, behold, I have given you, given you, because you're 
the pinnacle of creation. I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which is in the fruit which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed, it shall be to you for meat. Now the purpose of all the rest was it was for the man and for his dominion and for his food and for his meat. And then he actually doesn't stop there, but he puts the next part of creation and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there's life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So first the man... Then the, 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 the wildlife, the, the animal life that was there. You know, sometimes man puts it backwards, especially in this age. You, know, you have somebody, we, we went for a little hike. I think it was up in Johnson Canyon, which was closed last year. We went up for a hike there, and, 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 and we went up, and they had this area all fenced off because there was this certain species of bird which was rare, and it says and it was being endangered, and that was going to be there. And, 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 I, and I, I, I'm all for that. I'm not here to destroy the earth or anything. But then you find people who want to save trees and they'll put chains and, and things in trees and people get killed, loggers get killed trying to cut them down. I've got it backwards, I think, somehow. You know, and, and we're trying to save this, but we're willing to abort children. I, I, pardon me? There's something wrong here. This is God's original order. And, and the earth is groaning so that man comes back into this order. Okay, now let, I, I said that, but now God stops the creation. Genesis 2, verse 21, we read this also, and he says, he stops the creation, Adam comes, he forms Adam out of the dust of the earth, he brings all the animals to Adam, and he says, what are they going to be named, Adam? Adam names them, and that was their names. He got a revelation, a direct revelation from God, and now in, he was, before that ever happened in verse 18, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. God identifies this, this ache inside of him, and in fact, the woman was going to be necessary to bring forth and to be fruitful and multiply. It wasn't just going to be out of Adam himself. It was going to be with the woman. So the two had to be together. So verse, God stopped creating, essentially. But now he does a work. In verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, herein is a principle. The woman, not the original part of the creation, but out of the man. So she's of a higher order. She's directly out of the man. Her role was only there as long as the man was there. Outside of that, she had no place. Now, you can take the same thing uh, in the Bible. It was Sarah, but Sarah was nothing in herself. She needed Abraham. And it was because Abraham was there that Sarah's life was not taken from her when she lied and God appeared to them. But it was her protection was under the man. So is our protection under Christ. We are nothing in ourselves. We need him. And it was the same for Ruth when she went. She found her place in the field of Boaz, under Boaz, under his garment. When he put his garment upon her, that's where she found her place. It was Esther when the king told her, I'm going to give you anything you desire. 50-50, whatever you want. 
And she could have said half the kingdom. But it wasn't subject to her taking her half, packing it under her arm and walking away. It was as long as she was part of the king, she was co. She was everything. She had access. It wasn't just 50. He was giving her everything. But the 50 was showing what he gave and what he poured out for her. So these are all types. So now remember, when he appears, we shall appear also. Now let's just just take that thought for a moment. Now, I'm going to go to the fall. The fall happens, and I'm going to reference back to what I did in the masterpiece message. We took a little bit of that. And in the masterpiece message, Brother Bannon would say, God was not willing to see his family, to see his family in, go into this ruin. So he says, when he seen that family, the fall of his family, he wasn't willing to leave it there face down and ruined. He went to work immediately to build it up again. But in order to do that up, he had to build up the man part first. So he says, he began to build again unto his own image a man, and, and he began to do that, and he would labor and say, it started with Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph, and each time God building a little higher, and, and then it was Moses, and, and then Isaiah would say, he would prophesy of my servant, my masterpiece, the one who will reflect me in, in Isaiah 53. And finally, here's all these prophets. They all had flaws. They had their humanity. But if I can say this, it wasn't just their humanity either. It was a portion of the eternal that came down and reflected himself through them. So it was the eternal that, 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 that Pharaoh met when, when Moses appeared. Because God said, I will come down, even though all they could see was Moses. It was God coming down. And it was when Moses went up in the mountain and he came down, he had to put a veil over his face showing he had been with the eternal. The eternal had come down. He had appeared to Abraham in the form of Melchizedek, the eternal one. Now I'm saying this for a reason. Think about it in a little bigger perspective. Don't just let your mind go, well, that was Moses. You know, we, we let that go too easy. But we need to see the eternal. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I have to read this. In who is this Melchizedek? Brother Bram would say, who's... Now he says, he would actually refer to these words, the eternal. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Now we're getting to where Melchizedek is, this mysterious person. First, being a spirit, God the supernatural, the great eternal, he began to form himself towards flesh in a theophany. It's called the word, a body. So the theophany. Now you can preach this message and this truth, and sometimes you just say something innocuously, and somebody who it wasn't even meant for in earshot, hey, they catch it. Listen, that wasn't just their ears catching it because it wasn't even meant for them. But the, something inside is moving them. And you can try and lay out the message and explain it so well. And, and some people, I, I, I don't see that. 
Not everybody has a theophany that is responding to the word made flesh in its season. But thank God that was there for me. Thank God I could respond. Yeah, I was born in the right family. I was born that way. And I went many years, but at a certain time, in a certain season, there something responded. Something began to usher forth. I couldn't stop it. It was beyond my thinking. It came forth. It was a, a body, something in another realm. That never leaves you. You need to be conscious of it. Now, he, he says, God the supernatural towards flesh, a body, that's the state he was in when he met Abraham called Melchizedek. He was in the form of the theophany. Now, a theophany is something you cannot see. It could be right here, but you can't see it. It's like television. It's like another dimension, television. People are moving through this room right now. Thank God we only have five senses, and we can't connect to that one. Now, you have a, might have a device that can connect, but don't put it on to catch some of those things because it's terrible. And, and we need to be careful with those things. Television doesn't manufacture the picture. It only picks it up. Television was here when Adam was here. It was here when Elijah was on Mount Carmel. Television was here when Jesus of Nazareth walked on the shores of Galilee. But man only tapped into it now. Now that's the fourth dimension. Now Brother Branham would say, he takes it a step higher. He says, now they're just discovering it. It would have been crazy to say something like that, but now it's a reality. And then he says, and so is it that Christ is here the angels of God are here, and someday in the great millennium to come, it'll just be more real than television or anything else because they are here. So what Pharaoh missed seeing in Moses was what Moses caught in private when he said, God said, I am come down. And he missed that, and so did many of the children of Israel. When they began to chide with Moses, they couldn't see beyond that this is the eternal. Even Moses' own family made statements against him and said, he's just my brother, he married this, and he did this, and he did. Be careful. That was God who told him to do that. Now, I, we're, I'm not putting a minister here or anybody on, on the sake of, on, in the part of a prophet. But I'm saying there's an eternal aspect in every believer today. In fact, that's what God's trying to work on right now. He'll use your hearing. He'll use these other things. But he's trying to capture the eternal. And the eternal, that's what needs to respond. Now, I, I wasn't here when this happened, Brother Harold. And, and maybe some of you were, um, but I think it was Brother Ralph Gray, many, 30, 35 years ago. There's a few here. You don't have to raise your hands and identify how old you are. Some of you did already, but that's okay. But Brother Ralph Gray was here. His first meeting that he came into had long hair. And the preacher happened to be Doug McHugh's. And Doug McHugh's, as he's preaching, he probably noticed, and you know how Brother Doug was, and you know, he went and said, and them long-haired hippies. And, and, you know, he would have had every reason to be offended. But from the eternal, something said, Amen! And his hair was just as long as any other hippie. 
But what was it? The eternal caught you. And I say the same thing. We had Sister Billy many, many years ago. The first tape she ever heard was marriage and divorce. I mean, that's pretty hard for sisters, especially that aren't seasoned and then don't. But right away, because the seed was in her, there was something that responded and said, that's the truth. I believe that voice. I don't care what the outside says. I don't care what it looks like. But inside, that's the truth. We live in such a world where people are offended by some little thing. Forget about the vessel. I, I, I listen, I don't always get it right. I don't always say it right. I, I, God forgive me. That's not my intention. But I'll say this. If it's the Word of God, just say amen to it. Amen. And, if, and if you're not in the place, just say amen. Help me, Lord. Help my unbelief. Amen. And if you're in that place, thank God and don't look down on anybody else. Just say, thank God. Something is catching me. Amen. Now, he'll, he'll go on and say all these prophets had, were a portion in Masterpiece Message. But now comes the perfect one. God and Christ are so one in so much till he put his own spirit in him and even the image and the builder became one. God and his sculpture and his handiwork. Here the master builder got his handiwork perfected and he stepped into it. Now, that's going to happen again. Because this was the man part. The woman part was also going to be a masterpiece. So, so Brother Branham goes on and says, here it is, the perfect image, the God-man, God and Morphe, changed from the supernatural to the vision, and the vision was projected into the image. Now he projected his entire being into this person that would taste death for the whole human race. He became the redeemer of all the ages to speak for those who had been before and now to those that were to come. So in a symbol, he did all of these things. Now, I'm going to divert just for a moment. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. I have put this at the end, but Matthew chapter 22. Now, this is, this is an interesting scripture because, well, let's just read it and then we'll make comments on it. Verse 41, and while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think you of Christ? Whose son is he? So these were the Jews, and they said, they answered according to that. He said, they said unto him, the son of David, because that was the great king that was in their history. He's the son of David. That's who Christ is. And then he said unto them, How does David in the spirit then call him Lord? (laughs) And he says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at thy right hand till I make mine enemies thy footstool. And if David called him Lord, how is he his son? I love it when God asks questions. Because to the natural mind, ah, and then verse 46 pretty well tells it. End of argument. No man was able to answer him a word. Neither did anybody ask him that day forth any more questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. See, God is going to build his church. But it's by revelation. 
Now, now we took this a little bit on Wednesday when we spoke on how God crosses the borders of the dispensation. He was actually, this, the messenger at the covenant was John, and John came when there was a change happening in the covenant from law to grace. It didn't happen all at once. And, and John began to point the way. Christ began to minister because he was going to be there for all those that believed on him, those that were present, and those that would come. Because by one sacrifice, he would save forever. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but not by the blood of Jew or a Gentile, but by the blood of God. He himself would make the sacrifice. So God crossed the border of what man's thinking was. And now he went from, you know, and I, we took the types. He says, when he was dealing with the Jews, he doesn't deal with the Gentiles. There's the Jewish dispensation, the Gentile dispensation. And so the Jewish dispensation, in the middle of that, he raised up Gentile warriors. In the middle of that, while Christ was on earth, a Syrophoenician woman come, who he wasn't even called to address him as son of David, and he wouldn't respond to her. But when she called him Lord, and when she said, I'm a dog, and the eat from the crumbs, it didn't stop him. God stepped out of those borders, and he says, great is your faith, woman. So be it unto you. So it wasn't, it wasn't God using his gift on her, but it was something in her that was drawing from him. I see a part of the eternal. I'm connected with that, and I'm going to seize that. Amen. Now, nobody else did that. And even in the days of Elijah, Jesus refers to it. He says, nobody was saved of leprosy, save Naaman, who wasn't even in the kingdom. But it was God stepping outside of the borders of time and the dispensation. Now, I'm, I'm going to just lay that in because I want to keep building on that in subsequent services. That's another thought. But now, Jesus says, the, 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 the crux of this is, it wasn't David but he, if he answered and said, it was my life in David. And that life that David was a partaker of, it's right in front of you now. And it will continue to be. Now jump ahead, Revelations 5. I'll just stay on this thought for just a moment. Revelations 5, John, uh, there's a book on the throne. He's crying. Nobody can open the, the seals. And I wept much, verse 5. And one of the elders said unto him unto me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now look at how he identifies himself. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, what's he doing? It's, it's, it's the one that Daniel saw, the ancient of days. It's it's the life that always was, but God projected down to Abraham, projected into Moses, projected into himself, but that was the root of David. Yeah. Now, if you ever were a part of God, you had to be a part of God. And Brother Branham would say, predestination lies in the roots. So our roots are where? In ourselves? No, they're in Christ. I'm a part of him. It's not my life. It's not because I was a good guy and I won the lottery and somebody else didn't. know. I was in his mind. I was in his thinking. I was in him. And when he comes, that same life, when it crosses my path, I can't help but respond and say, Abba, Father. Yes. 
Listen, Luther couldn't help but respond. And, and sometimes we, we just brush these statements. Luther, justification. Read what Brother Adam says about Luther. He was a preacher of righteousness. He had an understanding of the Bible. He understood these things. But yet God in that dispensation, he was dealing with the truth. Not that sanctification wasn't. But he majored on that truth. And then he moved it. And then it had to transition. And when it transitioned, it moved to something else. And now we've come to the end. And now we, here we are. I'll tell you what, if I, was, if I was the seed of God and I was alive in Luther's time, I would have responded. But I wasn't born for that time. Now in all of creation, you take, you take a plant seed. You wouldn't plant a palm tree in your backyard here. It's original palm tree seed. What's wrong with it? But the law of conditions means it needs certain conditions around it. So it's not going to flourish. You know, I believe we have the power because we're coming back to the original life, the original seed. You know, there was a, the other day it was a little cool and just it cooled off quickly and my wife came down with a jacket on. I was resistant even to put a shirt on. I said, no, I'm still wearing a polo shirt. It's August. I'm not going to. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I'll prolong it if I have to. I'm going to tell nature, it's summer. I'm wearing this clothes. You guys line up. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a guy. He's a client of ours. And he comes into the office. It's November. And he's still wearing his sandals. <laughs> and I go, what are you trying to do? Put it off? He says, as long as I can, he said. As long as I can. <laughs> I'll pretend it's summer. <laughs> but I believe, you know, you wouldn't put that there because within the DNA of the seed is the conditions that it must flourish in. Now, you could take Matthew chapter 13, a, a parable of a sower went out to see. Seed, it's a seed. All of those seed were good seed. But the conditions of the ground did or didn't allow it to properly flourish. Some were choked up. Now, others just fell on stony places. But the, it had the potential of life in it. And I would say it just needed to be brought into the correct conditions. And so, you always were a son and daughter of God. All right. I, I, this, this, this is not just about line up, do this, do's and don'ts. This is about truths that need to reflect in our thinking in our lives. Something in you declares, I'm not from here. I'm, I'm from somewhere else. I'm not just of this cultural background. I'm, I, there's something greater working in me that, that I'm responding to. So none of these would respond in itself. Let's just go over to Revelations 22. Revelations 22 for a moment. Now, it's talking about a time to come when he that's unjust will be unjust still, and he that's filthy will be filthy still, and he that's holy will be holy still. Verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work, as his work shall be, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
the first and the last. So he's identifying himself, this is eternal life. It, it has never diminished, but I came at different seasons. But now in the end, I'm coming for a purpose, to bring to life that life also in a bride. And he says, blessed are they that do his commandments. They may have a right to the tree of life and that they may enter into the gates of the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you of these things in the churches. Now who, who did he send in the churches? The messenger to Ephesus, the messenger to... Um, uh, Thyatira and Smyrna and Sardis and all the ages he sent the messenger but he says and he spoke to the messenger but who was walking in the middle of all of that the one that ha the one who walked in the middle of it was like the son of man he was in the middle of that but he was distributing he was sending it out he was sending it out and, and Jesus would say if you receive whom I send you receive me so they received a portion. They received a portion. They received a portion. They all received a portion. And it was a part of Christ. And it was life to them. But now in the end, after the seventh messenger, now he himself will come again. And Brother Adam would take pains. And I, I'm, I'm really not going to go into all of it today, but he will make statements that are so profound. And he talks about Revelations 10. And he says, when he comes down. Now he, he talks about events that happens. What happens when he comes down? The church is dead. It needs something to awaken her. But when he comes down, seven thunders utter their voices. And those seven thunders actually reverberate to them that are ordained to hear it. What are the seven thunders? They're the voice of God to you personally. They're not a doctrine. They didn't come out of New York. They're, they're what God did when he came down. And he says, and the seventh angel is on earth at the time of this appearing. Now you can't take that out of the message. That's there. Who is here? It's him that's here. It's him that's giving life. When he appears, then we shall appear also with him in glory. My glory is not in, in some messenger uh, that, that's gone on. That I, I thank God that voice lives on. God speaks to me through that voice. But it's not because I, I attend that or it's because of a certain camp in South Africa or a certain thing in some other place. No, it's because he is here giving life to his body. Now, to finish the verse 16, I sent mine angel to testify unto you of these things in the churches. Now he makes this declaration. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And, and when he said this, look at the next verse. Did you ever wonder where Brother Bram said the bride will have the final voice? And he says, what the prophet said, the spirit will say, the bride will say. Do you ever wonder where he got? I believe it's right out of this scripture here. Right. He says, and when he makes this declaration, I was, I am, I will be. And then the spirit and the bride said, come. Come. 
You're the one we've longed for. You're the one that we've desired. You're the one that gives life. You're the one that takes every trial and takes the bitterness out of it and makes it a sweet-smelling savor. You're the one. You're the one when everything goes wrong. You're the one that is the honey in the rock. You're the one. I believe. Oh, I believe he can get sweeter and sweeter. Now, and the spirit and bride say, come, and let him hear that saith, come. Now, that's a cry, and I'm just going to stop that there. Let's go back to the masterpiece message for a minute. Now, Brother Adam would say, and he would, would carry this on. I'm just going to read a little part, and then we'll just make some comments as we get this to a place. He said, now the smiting of Christ was for a cause that he might take from him to be a family, the bride, that he might take a bride. So when the masterpiece was perfected, he had to smite it to take from him another piece, and not, not another creation, but the same creation. And he says, oh, my brother, don't think about this. Don't think bad about that, but think. If he took from him the original creation to make a bride for him, he never made another creation. He took a part of the original. And if he was the word, what must the bride be? It's got to be the original word. Now, you, you can just go right back to the type. Adam was there, but he was smitten. He was put asleep that God might draw something out of him. Christ was smitten, put asleep that God might draw something out from him. My root is in him. My life is in him. My future is in him. My past is in him. My present is in him. Amen. I was talking to a minister friend of mine. We were just talking and saying, you know, now that you hit 60, you start to look at things a little differently. There's a few of you in the room that are starting to come to this place, I know. But you hit 60, and you start to look, you think, it's only another 10 years to here. I got all this behind me. Like, uh, hey, there's this. you know what? All of this, it means nothing if you have eternal life. Eternal life, so you can look at your past, you can look at all of these things. No matter what was happening in the past, whatever ups and downs you went through, it's to bring you to the place you're at right now. And your past, you were in your past. You are in your here. You are in the future. If you're in the eternal, you are. You not were, not will be, you are. Because you are sons, the word of God came to you. Because you are sons, God put a seed in you that would respond. He would say, now his bride will fulfill everything that's in the New Testament. Another masterpiece in the making. 2,000 years to, make, to build the, the Christ, the masterpiece. But now, 2,000 no, years, a bride for Christ, another masterpiece. He does it the same way. Oh, listen, don't this, let this be a story. This is God doing a work. He is here. He's not, he's not way off somewhere. He's close. He's, he's more real than you recognize. It I doesn't just have to be in a service. I, 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 I'm amazed sometimes how you just feel an infirmity and you feel down and, and out of nowhere you get a text. And out of nowhere somebody calls you up. Or vice versa, somebody comes on your heart. And I just had it happen that way. Somebody in the U.S. I haven't talked to for months and I just felt them on my heart, and I said, I'm just going to send them a little note. And they said, I've been so sick. 
I've been in the hospital, but God is coming. I'm building up. And I said, oh. And she said, you don't know how much that text meant to me. And I go, that wasn't me. That was the eternal one. I think we can live in that place. I think we, we ought to see he is the shepherd. He cares for us. He's not just standing back, well, I hope they can get over this. No, he's helping us. He's for us. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, he's working with me. Now, I, I, I really feel rushed and I need to stop that because I, I knew I wouldn't finish everything anyway. Brother Branham would talk about the dimensions that we live in. And he would say, you know, we, we live in um, light, matter, and time. And these are limiting in themselves. Um, matter is this flesh. That's the part, that's the end part of what we changed. Light is the part that illuminates on our lives. Not just naturally speaking, but spiritually speaking. And time is where we are. But we're coming to the fullness of times. And the Bible calls it the dispensation of the fullness of times. When all of these things are blending out. So, so there's a blending that's happening. And as the blending is happening. Now here's what Brother Adam says about the church ages. In order to understand the wealth of meaning. He says in the sixth church age. I set before you an open door. And no man can shut it. We must recall what is said about each age running over into another age. There is an overlapping, a melting or fading into rather than an abrupt end and a clear start. Now Paul would talk about this to the Hebrews. And he said, let us go on to perfection of the doctrine of laying on of hands, of baptisms. These things we will do. But we are going on to perfection. And he says, it flows from one to the other. So sometimes you're crossing that line and we don't even see it. When, when did he says? so he says, the sixth age is in many respects, the last age rather, is in many respects a carrying on of the sixth age. The seventh age, a very short age, gathers itself up into one quick work, all the evil of every age, yet all the reality of Pentecost. Now, I, ah, I say, oh God, make this real to us. Don't, don't let Pentecost be the age past, but what they had in the upper room. When God met them, when they all were in unity, when they were together, that's what I desire. Friends, my desire for the church is not that I preach a good message. My desire is not that we have people in attendance. My desire is not those things. My desire is that we all catch what God is doing in our midst. That we understand that we're quickened by it. When he shall appear, then we shall appear also. Jesus said, I'm not working to for another, Brother Branham said, I'm not looking for another revival. He says, but I'm looking that to, to bring you into the presence of God. If that was his desire, that's my desire. Listen, it was in that little room that he would talk about it. You know, the first pull, it was, it was, it, it, it identified things, but it never saved anybody. It took a response. And, and, and really, the response led them onto a path of faith. When, when, when Brother Branham saw Sister Mita and, and the tumor she had, he identified that 
by a first pull. He also saw when he took it on. But he said, the third pull took it away. The, the third was only a vindication of what the other two already had said. So there has to be a finality. There has to be another part to this journey. It can't just stop at first and second and third as a doctrine. It has to be a life. It has to be a, uh, something that's real to us. I, I've been reading, and if, if you want to, I, I, Lord willing, I'll, I'll go into it, but seed is not air with the shuck. And Brother Brandon makes an outstanding statement in there. And he would talk about it, and he said, this is bride time, seed time. Now, our life is not governed by the conditions around us. Our life is not governed by even what one another does, if we're, though we're part of the same body. Our life is governed by him. Now, Brother Branham would, would go on and he would talk here and he, he comes about and he says, where are we at? He says, what is the cry now? We must be about the Father's business. We must vindicate Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30. He says, we, Hebrews 13, 8, vindicate John 14, 12. Vindicate Revelations 10, the opening of the seals, the mysteries, the serpent seed, all these things. We must be about the Father's business. This isn't just a doctrine you put in the shelf and we'll wait. No, I'm actually feeding on it. I'm actually entering into something that's keeping me alive. It's, it's, it's the bride's food in this season. Now, I, 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 I love to go in a special meeting. I love to be, if I have to be in a prayer line or at an altar. But I want to be about the Father's business. And now I can't make this come to pass. But I'll say this. As you feed on the Word, you become the Word. As you pray, as you dwell on these things, as you allow these thoughts to be a part of you, and, and you, do, you find yourself speaking to situations, praying when you pray, you start to curse that demon. And who is it that's doing it? It's not you. It's the Father in you. It's His life in you. Brother Branham goes on through this and he begins to talk and, he, and he, he, would, he would go a bit further and he would speak and he would say, have we become so soft that we can't even have a prayer meeting? Have we become, and he's talking about the eagle versus the hawk. He says the eagle is a special built bird. It goes up, it needs fresh meat. It can't feed on yesterday's acarian. These are words that Brother Branham used. Now, I'm not calling... What, what, because the message, the life that was in the stock had to go into the tassel, had to go into the shuck, and it had to go into the seed. And when it, the shuck hugs the, hugs the seed, but the seed, when it actually gets strong enough, it doesn't need the shuck anymore. And the shuck separates, leaving the original life, the original seed. Now, I won't have justice to get into this part, but if you want, listen to the message, the seed is not air with the shuck. And you watch some of the statements he makes and, and what he talks about. He says, what are you feeding on? Are you, looking for, are, are you looking for something good and better? If you're not that way now, ask God. I, I, I feel like, Lord, let the message be the heartbeat of, our, of the hour. 
take away all these things. Satan is working overtime to try to drag us from listening to the message, from getting into the Word. But we need to fight through it. We need to press through it. Back to who is this Melchizedek. Mm, I missed it. So he would say, oh, and I missed it here. Where did I do it? Oh, it's at the back. That's where. So Brother Branham goes now and he talks about what we heard, what we are hearing in this last day. And he, and he makes this statement. He says, so many Christians today, they can't get their feet off the ground. Son, jump, you're an eagle. Now, if you need to, take the image of, of what we played last week. And you say, have I really given myself to it? Mom, I never jumped in my life. Well, you jump, you're an eagle, you're not a chicken. So he made his first jump, flopped his wings, didn't do too good, but he got off the ground. Now we've hit some bumps and bruises. It hasn't been all clear, but I, I want to keep moving forward. And he says, that's the way we do it. We accept God by faith, by the written word. There's something in here to that eternal life. You were predestinated to it. He says, an eagle doesn't mix with other things. He's not a hybrid. Now he makes this statement, and it's, it's so good. When you recognize the very word of God was eagle food, you left off the other thing. Oh, my. In other words, something in your DNA, what you were born with, the things you thought, the things you saw, as you feed on it, it actually changes your molecular structure, and it gives you a craving for these things. Now, I love... I love to be in the presence of God. I love those things. But you need to feed that with the Word of God. Listen, the Spirit comes to the Word. That's a principle. So you have been formed into the living image of the living God. You heard from your theophany. He says, if this earthly body be dissolved, we have one waiting. Oh, my, my, my. I'm, I'm not going to be able to go into more of this now, you, you all know this, and I'll wind my thoughts down right here, because I, I won't get into this fully, but Brother Bannon would talk now a very familiar part in proving his word. Now, watch close. In the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He said, not a church no more, but a bride is called. In the day when the Son of Man will be revealed... Now, Jesus would make statements about the Pharisees that were there at that time, and he would say, if I would not have come, they would have not known that they had sin. In other words, it had to be a manifestation. And in that, to reject that. Now, even, even in that, there was grace. Because to reject him in his flesh was something, but to reject the works of the Holy Spirit was on another level. Now, He's saying, in other words, I had to appear for them to be identified. You know, it was when Jesus came on the scene, all kinds of manifestations started to come up. It was, it was in that day, there was a couple political parties. Let's just use that. I don't know why I'm picking on that. 
But there was a couple of political parties, one headed by Herod and one headed by Pilate. And they were enemies. But when the word came on the scene, they were united. They were brought together. The Bible says in one day they were made friends. When the word came on the scene. But when the word came on the scene, it also manifest a fisherman that was really never a fisherman of fish. He was a fisherman of men. It manifests others also. And I'll say this, when he comes on the scene at this time, it manifests that I'm not just a church member. I'm not just here to to be a part of a little move. I am here. I come from God. I'm going back to God. He is my life. When When he comes, I will also come and appear with him in glory. That's the response. What are we being conditioned to? Brother Branham says, And as he's talking here, improving his word, he says, Now not a church, a bride. To join the church to the head, the marriage of the bride, the bridegroom call will come right through this. The Son of Man will come down in human flesh and unite the two together. Now, not just William Branham. He was the vessel, but through that, there's another one that's appearing. And he is here. And he says, now he says, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, will come in human flesh. He'll make his word so real, it'll unite the church and him as one, the bride. She'll go home to the wedding supper. That's where it happens here. Now, not church theologians, not these things, but the Word unites with the person, and the two become one. The Son of Man, the Word and the church become one. Whatever the Son of Man did, He was the Word. The church does the same thing. You know, I think, I'm, I'm winding down, so musicians, why don't you come? This will give vindication to what I'm saying. You know, I, I've, I believe even the titles of the message were ordained of God. There's, there's times I, I'm going through something and something is twisting and churning and i got to listen to this. I, I feel like I just feel that pull. The message was not just do's and don'ts and line up and dress code and all those things. But it was also a call. It was a pull. So when he speaks messages, when he speaks messages like future home, That is not just talking about here, but it's saying that we might have a word of promise to be pulled into something. When he speaks on things that are to be, things that are to be, and then, you know, he was, he's preaching the message, and I don't know if it was that or the rapture, the rapture was the next night, one was in San Bernardino, one was in Rialto, California, and even those places were ordained. When Jesus came to the place, then he said such and such. I don't know which one it was, Rialto or San Bernardino, but one of those, the literal translation of that place is the ascending ladder. He had to speak it from there. Why? It was identified. This is the time. This is the season. This was the bridge to another place. The things that are to be, that's what we're going to. That's what we're being pulled by. You know, Brother Adam makes a statement in, I think it's the things that are to be. He says, we used to think heaven was a place where you just all go in a cloud with a harp. And he says, and you'd sing, you play music. He says, we were prone to think that. 
He says, before the seals were opened. Before God shed light into it. He says, because if that's what it was, then forget it. He says, musicians are the only ones that can make it. But we got a little higher revelation. Thank God. We got a little higher revelation of that. But it's more than that. He said, it's a real place. We're going to work. We're going to live. You know, some people don't even like that. We're going to work? I thought I was going up there. You know, <laughs> no, we're going to work. If you don't want to work, don't bother going. <laughs> Ah, but I like this check I'm collecting. No, 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 they're not going to collect checks up there. You're going to work. <laughs> Listen, it's a real place. God put that there to draw us, to pull us. I, I believe we're called higher. And I, I let that pull resonate in us. There is so much the enemy is doing to dampen it. But recognize the eternal is working in me. Let's stand together. I don't know what you've gone through in the last little while. But you need to feel the pull. You need to hear what the voice is saying. Oh, there's a lot of voices in the world. I found myself just being honest. I think I'd been listening to too many, looking at too many political pundits and too many this happening and this happening. And I said, Lord, I need to block some of that out. I need to focus on what you're saying. Because when he speaks, it makes the difference. When you hear his voice, I appreciate the voice of Brother Branham. Brother Branham was a man that had certain likes and things. But behind that voice, I find the nature of the same one that spoke to Moses and to Abraham and, and the same one that dealt with my mother and my grandmother and and, and, and what I've heard reflected as I sat in this church and kind of grew and what I hear, it's Him. I, I, this is the fullness of times. This is not, this is not just, there's, there's not going to be more after this. As I said on Wednesday, this is the ending of the Gentile dispensation. When God closes the book, and turns it over to the Jews. There'll not be another Gentile saved. He that is righteous will be righteous still. He that is holy will be holy still. I, I, I feel we're coming up to that line. Don't just take what's being said, oh, that's just getting pumped up about the message. No. There's a reality here. Let's not let it pass us by. I don't want to be like the centurion. This was the Son of Man. No, I want to say this is. I want to acknowledge Him today. I want to respond today. He that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Oh, Paul would say, lay a hold of eternal life. And who's he speaking to? Those that had eternal life. Now lay a hold of it. Catch it. Let your desires be transformed. Let, let these things happen. I feel the pull. I feel the pull. I hear the call. And God speaks. Moving me to give my.
speaks to me and I agree Lord please come and take control I feel the pull I feel the Can you just sing the chorus standing somewhere in the shadows? Standing somewhere in the shadow you'll find Jesus. He's the friend who always cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadow, you will find him, and you know him by the nail prints in his hand. Somewhere in the shadow you'll find Jesus. He's the friend who always cares and understands. Standing somewhere Continue to play softly and we bow our heads. I just want to allow a moment for you to respond to the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I'm not one who's much on, or I'm not one who's maybe good at bringing it all into that thing. We'll just all do it that way. But allow your response to be not just by this service, not just by the words you had, you heard, but Abba, Father. Lord, it was just a little something, but I want to say yes, Lord. I want to say yes to that. Maybe it's just faint. Maybe there's been too many things that have clouded around us.
Maybe there's been too many voices. Say, Lord, I need to hear your voice. That's what settles me. And you just want to acknowledge that to God. Lord, I, I see that you're somewhere in the shadows. You're calling. You're pulling. It's not a convention. It's a Sunday morning. It's, it's not a special meeting. But, but Lord, it's you. And you want to respond. Why don't you just slip up your hand to him? I believe we're seeing the ushering in of a tribulation. The disorder, the chaos that's in the world, a people are being conditioned to enter a tribulation period. And if you feel that you've been pulled down that too long, and you say, Lord, I want to be conditioned to hear your voice. I feel I haven't given enough time. And I realize I'm going to need to put some things aside. Maybe I, I, I won't be listening to too many things on, on YouTube or social media. Maybe I need to just stop being so busy with things. And I need to hear from you a little more and take time. And you just want to make that commitment to Him. There's a shout. There's a voice. Many came in the sound of the shout. But a few heard the voice. And those that heard the voice as they feed on it, they will actually become the voice. Oh, friends. I'm speaking this to myself also. It's easy to get busy preparing for a service or I'll preach on this or but just to slip aside, I need you myself, Lord. I need a little closer walk with you. We're coming up to a communion service, Lord. Don't let the communion be just, I, I, I got to make sure I'm doing things right. No, but let it be reflection of a walk with you, God. I want to commune with you. In the presence of Jehovah, everything changes. In that little room, everything changed. We've made these commitments to God today. Let's hold them before Him. Let's just have, let's just sing one more song here and then we're going to close in prayer. His voice makes a difference. Brother Blaine Wahlberg, can you come up and close after this for us? When I need Him, I know where to find Him. In my place of prayer, His Spirit hovers me.
Oh, Lord. 